We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, it's your boy Will. We are checking in. How you doing? How you living? It is a beautiful Sunday for me and my guy here recording here from Austin, Texas. And of course, when I talk about Austin, Texas, you know who I'm talking about. This is my best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, bro. I'm doing great. Just went grocery shopping with Danielle. Um, you know, Grocery shopping is interesting, man, because it's like in the past when I would go by myself, I'd end up spending like $150 per week on just food for myself. And now because I, I shop with Danielle and we're like more budget conscious, I'm just kind of, um, you know, looking for those deals, checking, checking all the prices, the price per ounce and all that. And um, trying to stay under like $90 a week for two people. And that's kind of the goal that we've been hitting lately. And uh I was pr- proud of myself today, man. We, we were like $92, and that was with buying a $15 thing of coffee. My bigger question is, how did you spend $150 shopping for yourself? I've also shopped for myself. That seems insane. Dude, a lot of steak, a lot of chicken, a <laughs> lot of meat, and now it's like more vegetables and like, you know, not plant-based diet, but the only thing yeah. we bought that was that was meat-based was the chicken because we're making some homemade General Gauss tonight. Shout out to my mom, Elmanakis, for that recipe, and uh, gonna make some General Gauss tonight. And then just gonna oh, what, dude, you know what we're making? Uh, so we've been making these non pizzas. So we just could buy. The, oh, I think you told me about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we, we're we're going like non is the base, right? And then Danielle mm-hmm. normally does some sort of like cashew sauce, but we're going buffalo chicken pizzas. Uh, this week. So I got the chicken for the general gauze, chicken for the Buffalo chicken pizza. And um, I'm, I'm ready for the week, man. I'm ready to eat. Yep. I'm telling you, man, this is where Costco comes in. You go to Costco, you buy some chicken for, you know, 20 bucks. They come in like these like six pack packages. You cut one up, put them in the, put it in the fridge to use. You put five in the freezer. Basically you need to go get protein like once every six weeks. Dude, so we we were we were on the Costco vibe for a little bit, but what we were on Danielle's parents' Costco card, mm-hmm. and then they cut us off of that because they needed to. Damn. Put, yeah, they needed family. You got cut out, right, dude? Yeah, they needed. On it and then you get cut out of the Costco. <laughs> that ain't how it's supposed to work. Well, 
I put the ring on an after, you know, hoping that they would put us on the Costco membership. You know, I, you know, I, I proposed <laughs> so I get the Costco the membership. Reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but they they wanted to put Danielle's uh, cousin on it because she had just moved and was living on her own, so she needed it more than we did. But we haven't gone back to uh, to get our own Costco membership. Gotcha. But we were doing that for a little bit, and we were, you know, we were doing the big old pork pork shoulders or pork flanks whatever you call it and then cutting yeah, the those deals, up man. I, I, I can't mess man. man i've i've been i've been converted to costco i mean shit all my half my all my golf or not half my yeah half my golf clubs are from kirkland which are just a costco brand i love Dude, that that's, like you, you can get literally anything there it's uh we were supposed to go today we pushed it to tomorrow because we just got a little bit lazy well mostly i got a little bit lazy and then uh we also have a basketball game tomorrow which is at like 9 20 feels like a fucking west coast Dude, game so right. when she was like well what if we just go tomorrow i was like that's actually perfect because i think the worst thing about our men's league we play in and we get these 9 20 starts is once i end work and then we have these late games i'm like i need something to fill that time but i also like I don't want to work out and then be tired for the game. I don't want to, you know, eat a big meal. So then I'm just like kind of snacking or I'm trying to like immediately at five o'clock, which is like a little bit early for when I really would want to eat, trying to like, you know, make dinner right away. And then I'm just kind of like hanging around. So for me, it was perfect to push our shopping to tomorrow. <laughs> so now that I have time to fill between like the end of the work day and then this late ass game that we have. Yeah, dude, I, I don't know how we're playing these games that are 9, 20, 8, 45, whatever the start times are. It's just too damn late. I, I get so I can't sleep after the games and I'm up. I know you you have I'm gonna your... bring you an edible tomorrow, man. I'm telling you these like it, it's it's CBD and it's part CBD, part THC literally at 920. Take it on your way home. It takes like 45 minutes to kick in. So you'll be home by the time that anything anything kicks in. You'll take, you know, go home, take a shower, you know, keep hydrating. And like I'm telling you, it it makes such a world of difference. I'm bringing you one for tomorrow. How does it affect your it. brain? What do you mean? So like the reason why I no longer really partake in um in any sort of like THC or anything like that is because I don't mm -hmm. I don't like um just like the anxiety and paranoia it causes me. Well, this should, I mean, ideally, this is like an indica strain. So between that and the CBD, like it should just make you tired. Like it shouldn't necessarily, I mean, in, like, unless you're trying to pull, I think, what is it in role models? They do it with like Xanax or something. They try to like fight through it. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> crazy shit. So unless you're like actively trying to fight through it, the whole goal is that it should just make you sleepy and allow you to sleep. So that Indica, you're not, indica like, couch. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm with, yeah. You, I'm with you. So, so, so between all of those factors, all it should do is make you sleepy. Like, yeah, you'll, you'll feel a little high, but it should, it should ultimately just make you drowsy. It's just like so, sleepy. Sounds good. I'm ready for it. You brought me yeah. uh, aerating shoes uh and aerating dude by the way that aerating <laughs> stuff working wonders working wonders. that's let's go i'm happy i'm happy they found a uh a good home I'm hoping that i never need to use those on uh <laughs> on my grass again as we got our new grass installed so i was uh, i was going through and manually picking out weeds yesterday so uh we're on we're on maintenance 101 over here to make sure that we uh we never need to to use that again hopefully so we'll see but i'm glad that's working out but I think should we talk some basketball now? Yeah, we should talk some basketball. I was, probably, say, like, I was like, this this is the most like lame first opening six minutes of a podcast ever. It's like literally the like uh Frank the Tank in old school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, we thought we were gonna have Adam on this one. Adam is actually doing another project that hopefully you guys will be seeing here that should be up on our YouTube page. Uh 
actually should have already been up. If you listen to this in the podcast form, it will already be on our YouTube page. Um, go to it. Adam has an interview that he's working on right now. Uh, and then podcast-wise, it should actually drop later in the week. So we'll be on the lookout for it. We'll have some announcements coming out soon. Follow us on all of our social media brands. But uh, yeah, I kind of thought we were going to, I know originally we were going to have Adam on this, have a three-man weave, and we were going to be able to mix it up a little bit. But now it's like, I, we're just talking domesticated shit for seven minutes. <laughs> this is so, like, like I, I know everybody knows that listens to the pod that we're best friends but this is like this is just me and will catching up <laughs> yeah. yeah this is there's absolutely no way to really bring the audience into this so let's switch it up and let's keep going with it's it's summer podcast time guys so we're gonna keep going with the rankings that we've been doing we've done our top five point guards in the east we've done our top five shooting guards in the east top five nba duo duos and now today we are going to do our top five small forwards before i share my screen here greg what i think i want to talk about is there's two things before we get to the to the ranking or to the command command shift xing before we go ahead and start getting rid of some of these guys but number one how are we viewing small forwards we talked about this a little bit with shooting guards right where like shooting guards small forwards power forwards those are the three that kind of sometimes fit into they're a wing slash big a guard slash wing a wing slash guard so how did you go about trying to think about you know and we're going to get into who we are actually qualifying to rank here in a second but how'd you go about thinking thinking through that process um just like as traditional as i could with it like i'm i'm probably actually using like 2000s like criteria for these positions so for example i know you have <laughs> that's how outdated all this is yeah. <laughs> i know you have for example um where was it let's see there's someone i'm not seeing on here but for the wizards right i i'd have kyle kuzma i know you okay put, see, I, I think of, i think of him as more of a power forward which is why I, I didn't have him on there yeah but i mean he's if if he was in the early 2000s kuzma wouldn't be a power forward right but then that he's gets more, he's you know, more he's more like people would compare him put him in the same classes not in the same class but like same position as jason tatum right jason tatum in today's game is pretty much a three slash four and i feel mm -hmm. like kuzma is also a three slash four yeah i mean i mean that would be the one place where we would differ i put him as a four slash three but this is where it gets really semantic as to mm -hmm. how you're going to qualify it you know i i think for me part of it is i just look to the starting lineup like what what would be their starting lineup and their starting lineup would probably be tyus jones jordan Poole, who we already talked about kispert is likely going to be there you know in that quote unquote three slot and then you have kuzma and daniel gafford so when i look at it that way to me that's that's more how i've been trying to judge it is kind of mm -hmm. just based on all yeah, right, if we're going fair. to be traditional conformists you know what what does that look like with your starting lineup so that does transition us here to the list that i've created here for the small forwards for us to choose from i think there's only a couple that we need to talk to so the wizards was one that i was going to bring up I, I think it sounds like we're okay just let's just roll with kispert at yeah, the three sure. he's not going to make the final five shocking just a quick update here for anyone that was tuning in for some Corey kispert content probably <laughs> not going to make the top five here a few others that that i think we should talk about uh you know the raptors i think we've disagreed on every single position that we've gone through as to who we should label what I put for this one OG slash Scotty, but l let me hear what where you were thinking because the Raptors are really truly one of the weirdest teams, you know, other than Pirtle at center to really define what the other four guys are supposed to be. Yeah, it's weird, man, because you could also like make an argument for Pascal 
there. And well, like, I, any- I believe me, I thought about that. And I, I just, I was like, I don't, we're just doing all three of them again because, you know, I, I don't, we, we've talked about all three of them for shooting guard as well, I think in some, some form or fashion and, and for point guard as well, actually. Well, I think OG's the one that like, can guard up the most. I think Pascal's a better like off ball defender, but if like they needed someone to bring the beef against um like a Zion Williamson or something like that, I feel like OG would probably get that assignment just because he he's one of the strongest dudes in the league. Yeah. So um that's why I might lean OG at the in the next list and Pascal on this list. Um and but then where does that leave Scotty though? I mean, I was making the argument that Scotty was a point guard back in the, back in the point guard. List. Yeah, which, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the, so the Raptors are the team that are throwing everything off, whether we're looking at this as the 2000s or if we're trying to figure it out by their starting lineup, none of it is adding up. Well, then the, <laughs> the Raptors organization succeeded because that's basically what they've tried to do over the past three to four years. Yeah. So, so let's do this. So let's, so would you, prefer, so we can leave two Raptors on here. Would you want to go OG Scotty or OG, OG Pascal on this one? But you can only pick one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should probably. Yeah, so we could have two guys on here. Well, they could be slots three and five. If you if we, if we really wanted to do it, it's our list. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, it's true. Okay, Um. let's let's. I feel like Pascal's too skilled to really call him like a four. <laughs> um, let's let's move OG to the four. Okay, let's have Pascal okay. and Scotty. So this will be Pascal. Okay, yeah. Pascal. So that will be the Raptors uh, nomination for this here. Um, the Cavs, I put Max Struess. I think that's l- looking like what probably is going to be their starting small forward. Yeah. You know, we went over Garland, went over Mitchell. And then, of course, Mobley and Allen aren't going to fall into the small forward category. So I think Struess given up on a Coro a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyone else here that you think that we need to discuss as someone that you may have put on this list instead of one of the players that I have listed? Mm, no, I feel pretty good about it. Okay. Yeah. So quick rundown of the players that we're going to be ranking here, and then we'll take a break and then we'll come back and we'll, we'll, we'll start to command shift X over here. But we've got from the Celtics, of course, we've got Jason Tatum from the Knicks. We've got RJ Barrett from the Nets. We've got Mikhail Bridges, 76ers, Tobias Harris, Raptors just went over Pascal Siakam slash Scotty Barnes bulls. We've got DeMar DeRozan Cavs. We've got Max Struess Pistons. We've got Bogdan Bogdanovich. Pacers, Bruce Brown, Bucks, Chris Middleton, Hawks, DeAndre Hunter, uh, Charlotte Hornets, Gordon Hayward, Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler, Orlando Magic, Franz Wagner, and Wizards, Corey Kispert. That's the list. We feel good, Greg? Dude, and and looking through this list, I think this is going to be a harder exercise than I thought. As I was making it, I had that same thought where there's maybe one to two easy cuts. And even those guys, if you really wanted to dig in and make a case for them, they could be probably a little bit higher. But it's a pretty solid list. It's a pretty solid list. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll uh, we'll start getting rid of a couple of these guys. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Greg, it's our favorite time to command shift X for everyone there on a Mac in case you, you're knowing how curious as to how we make the magic happen on this podcast. Um, but Greg, first pick here, who's the, who's the first guy that has to go on this list? I just I have so many feelings towards what happened in the in in the Heat series. Fuck you, Max Struess. You're out of here. <laughs> Sorry, man. Max Struess, you are gone, my friend. Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, it's it it's one of those things that like he did kind of kill us, but at the same time, he's the he's the guy that has to go, and that's also the reason for me that I'm still. I'm still like not as high on the Cavs offseason. I feel like a lot of people, like a lot of like national writers, were like the Cavs did a really good job. They got Max mm-hmm. Struess and George Niang, and I'm well, like, they needed really? shooting. I mean, they needed shooting, so I get that. But I also just don't think it's as revolutionary. Like unless Evan Mobley becomes, you know, this Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, you know, you know, player that we potentially think he has the, you know, has the potential or that he has the potential to be. You know, I I don't know. I just didn't think their offseason was amazing. I thought it was fine. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just not you know you know. I just found out um, George Nang is Senegalian. Did you know that he, his dad was Senegalian? I did not know. I know he's from somewhere in Massachusetts, but I did not know he was Senegalian. Yeah, I kind I for some reason I thought he was just a white guy, but apparently he's he's uh, part <laughs> Senegalian. Yeah, I did think that as well too. He's also I'm pretty sure he's uh, pretty close friends with uh with our guy Kevin Hayes as well from their yeah time yeah. They, I've seen some uh, Instagram photos for sure. Yeah. All right, who's your All pick? Right. So the next one here, I, I think we just got to go to the Wizards here. Corey Kispert, um, he actually, I, I looked him up today because I was trying to like make sure I got this right with the Wizards. You know, 11 points per game, 42% shooting from three, almost 50% from the field. Like, that's a nice little season. That's a, that's a nice player to have sneaky on your athletic. team. He's got, yeah, sneaky athletic, got some good size. Uh, but just for this list, like we said, it's a little bit better than what you might think. So I, I think for me, he's probably the next easiest cut and there's maybe one or two more that are relatively easy and then then you got to start to really think about where you're going here for sure and a- anybody that's following along on the pod i recommend that you go to youtube so you can actually like see this list in front of you and see us making real-time cuts to it um so make sure that you're going to the description clicking on the youtube link if you if you have the chance to do that uh but yeah i agree man kispert i think he's better than i thought he was going to be same thing with struce i thought struce wasn't going to be anything you know when the celtics mm-hmm. had him we picked javante green over him we cut him and then he ended up finding a home with the heat and it's turned into a nice little contract for himself but um, Kispert, you know, he's definitely impressed me anytime I've seen him. He he's super heady, great shooter, uh, great hair. Love love the Kispert <laughs> hair. So um, my next pick is going to be tough. 
lot of good players on this list. I think I have to go Bruce Brown, and maybe Oof, that's too that's soon. A, that's to a tough one. Brucey. I mean, I don't know if it's too. I mean, it, it's it's inevitable that he's getting cut before the top five. So whether it's too soon, it, it's going to happen. You know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, I we both love Bruce Brown. Shout out to Brucey B. Brucey you know, B. Brucey B. Boston's own man. But uh, yeah, it's it's a tough cut, right? Like that feels really rough because he was he you know he's I wouldn't say he's a steal because he got paid, but obviously it's a contract that is geared towards you know a win win for for both sides. So it is a bit a bit of an overpay, but a one to two year you know overpay. But he was so critical in that Nuggets run to the championship. So and good, and he just feels like one of those guys that. Whatever team you put him on, he'll he'll find a role. You need another ball handler? Got it. You need me to play up and you know be, you know, this is our small forward list, but he's he's six four. You need me to play a, a power forward type small ball five. We saw him do it in the nets, and he was actually very successful in that role. He can be a top tier defender. His shooting seems to continually get Okay, okay. Well, oh, all right, all right, all right. I went I cut him too soon. All right. <laughs> let's, let's teach let's teach people some max shortcuts. Hit command Z for me. Command Z. No, 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 no. You talked me into it. Command Z it. Command Z it. Command Z. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I got you. But we're trying to teach people. Command Z, bro. Um, okay, so I'm going to cut DeAndre Hunter then. I actually really like DeAndre okay. Hunter. Um, but as you were talking, like Hunter's just not quite there yet. And if I had to choose, like coming into the season, the whole point of this exercise, right? It's like coming into the season, who are the top five guys that you would want on your team? And I would rather have Bruce Brown coming into the season, especially off coming winning a championship than DeAndre yeah. Hunter, although I'm still pretty high on DeAndre Hunter. I think too many people have written him off as um, a little bit of a bust. Well, he's just in that weird spot. I mean, this is part of the issue with the Hawks trying to make another move, right? Is DeAndre Hunter potentially might be that centerpiece, but I think people think he still might have potential, but there's not really like there, there's not enough body of evidence, right? That shows mm -hmm. that anything he can do is sustainable and part of that's injury related, right? So it's, it's just a weird spot where it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not curtains for DeAndre Hunter, but it, it's definitely a big year as far as can you stay healthy? Can you give us the production that we think that you're capable of, you know, over a full season? So big season for him coming up. We're going to go to my pick here. Bruce Brown staying on the board, not not taking him off again right now. I'm going to go to old friend Gordon Hayward. Just who yeah. knows if yeah. this guy's even going to be healthy. It's, you know, when he's out there and, you know, if they get, they're getting Miles Bridges back, we'll see what the PJ Washington thing is kind of forgotten right now as to whatever the hell's going on with his restricted free agency. Um, that will be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think I would assume at this point he somehow, some way ends up back in the Hornets, but they get Miles Bridges, PJ Washington comes back, Gordon Hayward's healthy, LaMelo's out there. You know, they, they add in uh, Brandon Miller as a number two pick. Like, you know, maybe there is something for the Hornets. And if Hayward's healthy, that's always kind of the key. I mean, that's one thing that we've seen since he left the Celtics is that we've kind of missed that Gordon Hayward piece and haven't really been able to to fully fill those shoes, even though they were temporary shoes because they were, weren't all, he wasn't always available. But when he was, he was a very key connective piece. Yeah, and I think Gordon Hayward, if, you know, at this point in his career, if somebody – said, who do I want on my squad, Gordon Hayward versus Bruce Brown or Gordon Hayward versus Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, I think a team could still talk themselves into Hayward just because he is – he's such a smart player, man. And, like, he, he's still versatile on defense. It, it's just going to come down to injuries with Hayward, mm -hmm. and you just can't rely on the guy. So yeah. I think that's a good pick, cutting him there. Um, so I, th I would say the next two guys that you have to talk about here are the guys I just mentioned, Bogdanovich versus Brown. Um, yeah. Man, Bogdanovich, 
every time I watch that guy play, I'm like, man, he's he's just better than I remember every single time. He just does something else where I'm like, this guy, he has a little bit more in his offensive game than you, you expect. He can score from all three levels. He's a knockdown shooter. He's like 6'9". He can guard uh, He can guard most wings in the league. He's lost a little bit of a step laterally. But back in the day, you know, he was the guy, I think when he was on the Pacers maybe, where he would guard LeBron. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's just one of those guys that is, is also a dog. I really like. Yeah, he's um, tough as shit. He's super tough. So I'm not going to cut him yet. I, I think that he, he deserves deserves to be on this list i wish he wasn't on the pistons because i do think that if he was on um, a really good team he would have a, a huge role for them yeah so now i'm looking at um i guess tobias harris versus bruce brown and you know i'm an anti tobias harris guy on this pod but i do think he in a vacuum he's still just a better player than than bruce brown so this is where i think bruce brown gets cut yeah lasted a few more picks but i feel this is this is about right for him yeah um, this is this is this is this is where it needs he's to a role be player here. right yep high end role, role player got to go all right bruce brown has been cut and then yeah i think you kind of led right into where this next conversation goes now i think we're at the tobias harris versus bogdanovich and you know it's 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 somewhat similar because you know we are very anti, we're, we're anti Trey Young we're anti Tobias Harris we're anti well, at least I'm anti Rudy Gobert I don't know if I, I don't know if you and Adam are as anti Rudy Gobert as I am but you know it's it's one of those guys that we we kind of have a continual drive by of just anytime we talk about the Sixers it's it's a you know talking about Tobias Harris is all is always going to be negative for for any Tobias Harris stands out there which if you're a Tobias Harris stand. That would be. Well, uh, he, I mean, he, it, I feel like he and Semi Ojale hold the record for most strays caught on agreeing with every podcast. One hundred percent. One hundred. We should have a tally going on that to see who who catches more of those. I think in this situation, I think I'm going to go Bogdanovich, and I don't feel great about it. But I do think because Tobias Harris is fine as your number four, right? Mm-hmm. If he's your number four and he's being paid appropriately as your number four, like he's fine. He's he's just he's just fine. I think it's just that there's more expected out of him based on contract, based on you know playing in Philly and kind of the spotlight of where that team has underachieved for the last couple of years, and him never really having a moment where he's stepped up because there's been a lot of turmoil and opportunity for a guy that is supposed to be you know as skilled and talented as he is, where it's like you should have had at least one moment where it's like even if it's not continuous but it's at least that one moment hey remember that game three where you know ben simmons was shit in the bed and joel Embiid mm-hmm. was hurt and tobias stepped up just that one moment and there's not a single moment that yeah. I think anybody can recall well I, th- but- I think tobias is the better defender between him and bogdanovich you know but i think if you if you have to trust somebody and to like take over take over a game, I would one hundred percent rather have Bogdanovich on my team than Tobias Harris. Um, I think Tobias Harris is a much better defender at this point in, in their careers. But I'm okay if you cut Bogdanovich before Harris. Well, you know what I'm going to do? We're going to cut both of them because that that's going to be our our next two picks. Yeah. I think so. Let's yeah. just go ahead and take care of them both here. And so let me give oops let me give a quick rundown here of who we have remaining. So remaining on the board still. We've got Jason Tatum, we've got R.J. Barrett, we've got Mikhail Bridges, Pascal Siakam slash Scotty Barnes, we've got DeMar DeRozan, we've got Chris Middleton, we've got Jimmy Butler, and we've got Franz Wagner. Oof. This is this is this is where it's tough right now. Uh, Greg, where are we going? 
Um, well, we I think we all know who definitely is going to be, you know, in the top two, right? You're going to have Jimmy Butler. You're going to have Jason Tatum. So we, we know we're not touching those guys. Um, RJ versus Mikhail, Pascal. I, Pascal's probably going to be on that list too. I think Pascal's so, making the top five. Now that he's available and we've, we've decided he's, he's part of this, I think Pascal's an easy top five. Okay, so I think the most logical discussion right now is between RJ and Franz. Interesting. Okay. What what, what were you going to say? Because I, I, I think you can get rid of Scotty. I don't think Scotty belongs that's, in this okay, list. Okay, that's 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 where I was going. Was that I think Scotty's the the next. Yeah, call I think you just to, like get him off the here. list completely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's just go. Let's just let's just delete him. Yeah. <laughs> Glad okay. we had that discussion to start this. <laughs> so I think um, RJ versus. Do you agree? RJ versus Franz is probably the discussion now. RJ versus Franz is the is the next discussion. So right now we have. Let me see. So one two. Before. Yeah, I mean it's getting it's getting tight right now. RJ and Franz is the discussion, and this is this is a tough one because a little bit of this is I'm starting to just be okay with who RJ is, and I think RJ is a really nice, but RJ is basically mm-hmm. like a 25 and five type of guy, plays solid defenses, three point shooting is going to be a little bit streaky. Um, you know, I, I think same as we were saying about Tobias. I think there's sometimes with this Knicks team where you wish RJ popped a little bit more than mm-hmm. he does but at the same time i like i i think he fills a very necessary role on just about any any contending team would like to have a guy like rj barrett like it's a very useful player to have but then with franz he still is at the point in his career where i'm looking at his upside yeah. and i think there's still another level for franz to get to so long term i think i'm i'm, I'm definitely taking franz if we're looking at it right now, I think it's pretty close. And, you know, I'll, I'll see which way you're leaning, but I could go either way in the present moment. But I think if I'm looking over the next two years, like I would I would go Franz and I wouldn't really have to think about it all that hard. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Franz will be the better player, you know, five years down the road. We were like, mm-hmm. oh, there was a discussion between RJ Barrett and Franz Wagner on a podcast. Uh, I think <laughs> I think Franz is, has the potential to be like a really high-end wing. And I think RJ's um mentality and like the game that he at he has is to be more of a primary handler less of a role player and more of a star so the fact that that skill set that he has isn't necessarily translating on an nba level and he's having to find himself as a role player as you alluded to i don't think that he's ever going to reach the heights that you kind of hoped as the number Mm -hmm. three pick in in an nba draft right i think that rj is going to be it's going to take him some time to learn how to be a great role player, and he's not good enough to build your team around, right? So coming into this year, I think I'd rather have uh, Franz than RJ just because of that. Like I think I think Franz RJ's RJ's in a little bit here. more. Yeah, RJ's yeah. cut. So we're going RJ, and then we'll go Fr- Franz is the next cut. So we'll 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 go ahead and take Franz out of here. But I, we're both high on Franz. Uh, as we found out when we did that Bleach Report stream, apparently not yeah. everyone is as up on Franz as 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 we thought. But uh, as we're going to see in pool play, you know, we'll we'll see the magic. We'll see them a couple of times. I got a back-to-back in Boston in December. That could be trouble. Uh, a lot of jokes been made about that on Twitter. So we'll uh, we'll get some up-close and personal experience with Franz Wagner uh, this year for sure. So, so, Will, we have six guys left. We've got six. So we've got to get down to the top five. I think for me – the debate is between two guys for that fifth spot. Then we can start organizing the top four. Um, tell me what you think. So to remember, the discussion is who do you want coming into this year? 
mm-hmm. because of that, I think the next guy that has to be cut is Middleton. I don't think that you can trust Middleton at this point in his career to to go full 82. He's been too injury prone. His game's been slipping. Um, if, if this was Middleton two years ago, I think he's very clearly on yeah. this list. But um, because of the injury concerns, he's getting a little uh, – <laughs> Pun completely intended, long in the tooth. Um, <laughs> I I was like, you, 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 you pull the camera on and basically you just paused and I was like, what is Greg going to say? I know, I get it. Uh, yeah, so Chris Middleton's got to go. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the right call. I was kind of thinking through my own top five, and this is before we, we put Pascal on here, and Middleton and Bridges were who I was, was looking at for that fifth spot. And then I ended up, I put Bridges, I did the same reasoning as you. I put Bridges above Middleton. I just thought, you know, if I were Giannis, as much as, and I take out my take out of it the relationship that the two of them have, which in which they're very close, who would I want right now? The answer is Bridges. Bridges is, is ascending. Middleton is potentially you know, slipping. We don't know what, like, like Middleton is kind of a, it's kind of a complete guess as to what type, what version of Middleton we're getting coming into the season, right? Is it going to be the one that we got at the end of last year? Are we going to get that Middleton that you mentioned from a year or two ago where, you know, going into that uh, Celtic series, you know, when he was out, like that really was a big deal because Middleton is a guy that has obviously killed the Celtics in the past and was probably a, a underrated slept on, you know, number two across the, the NBA for the stuff that he was able to do. And last year just wasn't that guy just was not him. He's getting a little bit older and it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, as the Bucks as a team get older, you know, they need like they're that's the sneaky part about the Bucks is they're a really old team. And so for them to see what they're gonna do, they need Middleton to be back to to being the Middleton from a couple of years ago. And it's just it's too much of a gamble if we're making this list about who's going into next year. And, you know, we see Mikhail Bridges right now. He's on Team USA and FIBA. We've seen what he did, you know, with the Suns in a 3 and D role. Then he got to expand that. Then went to the Nets and killed it last year as, you know, I don't think he's actually a number one guy, but I think he's kind of made his case that I could be the Jalen Brown to somebody's Jason Tatum. I think mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty I'm, I'm at that. I'm kind of at that level with him just about maybe not fully sold, but like 80, 90 percent sold that I would feel pretty good about him as a number two on a on a contending or championship level team. Um, and so I think Mikhail Bridges right now is the call. And I've always liked him even going back to his Villanova days. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, the next conversation, right, Let, let's take a quick break. Well, let's take our last break and then we'll we'll discuss who the four or five spots are. All right. So now we are down to our top five. So here are the here are the five names that we're going to talk about. Now we just have to slot them. So we've got Jason Tatum, we've got Mikhail Bridges, we've got Pascal Siakam, DeMar DeRozan, and Jimmy Butler. So I, I think for me, are we settling on Mikhail Bridges at that five spot, or do you actually want to even bump him up one more spot? Do you have a guy that you think we need to we need to talk about for that five spot? I think it's Bridges versus DeRozan at this point, right? Um, I I mean, what Bridges showed last year when he got traded, the offensive bag that he had, what he's doing for Team USA, um, you know, his his spot up shooting is just so elite. DeRozan has the best skill set between him. And, and bridges, right? Just mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry, the best individual skill. 
Um, yeah. I think that DeRozan's mid-range game and his ability to to score whenever he wants is probably the best skill between uh, any of the skills that these guys have uh, between him and Bridges. But I think coming into this year, I think Bridges is about to like enter his very significant prime. I think Mikael Bridges is going to be you know looked at as probably one of the best contracts in the league for the remainder of his contract. I think he's on an absolute steal of a deal. So I would make the argument that DeRozan, especially after probably the last couple of years were the best years that we've seen out of DeMar DeRozan, I would expect there to be a slight little drop-off with DeMar just as as he's getting a little bit older and Mikael's you know, uh, ascending into uh, the point of his career where I think He's going to be more in the conversations with some of the the best wings versus some of the mediocre wings. I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. I mean, DeRozan's great, and I think, like you said, these last couple of years have been really special out of DeRozan, especially because I didn't I didn't see them coming. I thought he was, yeah. you know, on the downslope, and these might have been two of the best years that that he's ever had. Um, and he's an absolute killer from the mid range. Just in, it's insane the things that that he does. You know, especially watching him from a Celtics perspective when it's just, okay, we know he's trying to get to the free throw line extended and get a foul call. And he just seems to get it almost every time uh, against the Celtics. And, you know, but I think you're right. I mean, I've, I've been huge on Mikhail Bridges going back to Villanova. Like I said, him, you know, with the Suns, I loved when he came in and, and, and did immediately for that team. And that's to your point, Greg, I think it's really interesting. And I would love to talk to, you know, uh, someone, you know, within an organization about how to, how to figure out what is the right development plan for young players. Cause I think everyone has such different paths. There's some guys that just need to play and make mistakes and that's how they get better. There's others that like Mikhail Bridges come in and you kind of compartmentalize their development to, Hey, you're a three and D guy now. Excel like in this Brown role. Too. Yeah. And then you kind of ex- start to expand your game over time. Right. And I think Mikhail Bridges, like I said, I think he fits into that Jalen Brown type of role. I think that's kind of the player that, that he's becoming and, you know, watching him on the net, that's, to a certain level, if you know Jalen Brown ever had his own team, like that's kind of where I see Jalen Brown could could lead a team to a you know five to seven seed in a competitive conference. Like that that feels kind of like what what a Jalen Brown as the best player would be on a team. Mm-hmm. So you know I'm I'm with this DeRozan at five, Bridges at four. I, I think that feels good. I think if we're doing this, that leaves three guys. I think this makes three super easy for me. I think it's mm-hmm. Pascal Siakam. Yeah. And, you know, Pascal's awesome. I think as soon as we put him on this list, he's a guy that's fringe all NBA. Uh, another guy that we put in that Jalen Brown category all the time, always a debate that we're having, you know, Siakam versus uh, versus Jalen Brown. Um, he's great. He's He can do a little bit of everything that you need. Once again, I don't think he's probably a guy that you can have as your clear-cut number one guy and be a championship team. Uh, but very valuable, kind of a 1A, you know, top tier, number two guy in the league. Uh, yeah, he's an, he's an easy choice here at number three, I think. Yeah, and you just like, it's it's disingenuous to even have him in the conversation with Tatum and Butler, right? Um, I think that if anything, you could talk yourself into a Bridges versus Pascal conversation, but I think Pascal's just on another level than than Mikel is right now. Yeah. Mikel would have to like really impress me this year to get to Pascal's level because I'm I I've been proven wrong time and time again with Pascal Siakam. That dude is a is a straight up baller. He gets better every single year. His off ball defense, his rim protection, um, his mid range game, his playmaking, everything that he could improve upon he has improved upon so i really like pascal at this point he's earned my respect over the years so pascal at three sounds good which leaves 
a Jason Tatum versus Jimmy Butler conversation. And I think, you know, after the NBA duo conversation, when we put Bam and Jimmy over Tatum and Brown, just because, um, just because of, of what happened in the playoffs this year, logic would follow that we would have Jimmy Butler <laughs> ahead of Jason Tatum here. It's tough, right? I don't, is, I don't know if I can go one. there. I, I don't know that I can either because, yeah, that, that's exactly where my mind went to when looking at this list is like, are we going to have to? We already gave our reasoning for the duos as to why it has to be, you know, like you said, Jimmy and Bam over, over the Jays. I mean, as the two best players, Without there being, you know, like quarterbacks in the NFL, they kind of take this on, right? As you know, what's Brady versus Mahomes' record? That's kind of how it, it it works in the NBA, right? Like, what's LeBron versus you know uh, Carmelo Anthony's record? What is you know Pierce versus LeBron's record? What is you know whatever 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 the best player on your team uh, on your particular team is? They kind of carry that mantle as this is their record. They almost have ownership of it. And in this yeah. case, Jimmy Butler has the advantage, you know, over Jason Tatum. But, but. I, I think I still have to go Jason Tatum one, Jimmy Butler two. And I, I think there's a, I mean, Jason Tatum just made all NBA first team back to back seasons, two top five MVP finishes. And yes, Jimmy has gotten the better of Tatum and the Celtics in the playoffs, but Tatum has done some really special things in his playoff career. So I think he has a little bit more to lean on when you're looking at the individual versus the duos really has to reflect kind of the team success mm-hmm. a little bit more than I think the individual one-to-one yeah. comparison does. And so I think when you look at Jason Tatum with the you know 51 points in Game 7 this, this past postseason, you look at the 46 points on the road in an elimination game against the Bucks. You can even throw in, you know, Game 6 this past year as well, you know, in the fourth quarter after having maybe the worst three quarters any superstars ever had an NBA game and then putting the team on his back with 14 points in the fourth to close that out on the road in the elimination game. Like there is as much as there is, you know, playoff Jimmy Butler, Himmy Butler, there is a, you know, Tatum does have a, that due to him in the playoffs, even though they've fallen short the last two years, he's got those moments. He's got the dunk on LeBron as a rookie, you know? So I think I feel comfortable if Jimmy, if, excuse me, if Tatum didn't have at least a, you know, a record of accomplishments in the postseason to back up this ranking of one over two, I would just have to say it's Jimmy because what else can you tell me that Tatum has done? But you can, you can make a list of accomplishments of things of that, Tatum has checked off in his career that make me confident enough combined with his regular season prowess, which is, I think, definitely higher than Jimmy at this point, that I feel okay going Tatum one, Jimmy two. But Jimmy's Jimmy. It makes you think. It makes you think. It makes you really have to come up with a solid argument to put it one versus two. Let me just read you Jimmy Butler's first round playoff stats this year, Will. 37 minutes a game. 37.6 points per game, six rebounds, 4.8 assists, 2.2 stocks, uh, 44% from three on five attempts a game, nine free throw attempts a game, 9.6 free throw attempts, shooting 71%. Jimmy Butler's playoff resume is also pretty fucking good, man. Oh, of course. (laughs) The fact that he wasn't, yeah. Yeah, the fact that he 
you know, did what he did in the finals in the bubble against LeBron too, where there were a couple of games you're like, Oh my God, Jimmy Butler's on the same level as LeBron James. Like I, I never thought he would ever get anywhere near that yeah. conversation, you know? And the fact that he has very similar to Siakam, Jimmy Butler's just earned my respect over the years. But remember the conversation is who, who do you want coming into this year? And I do think Jason Tatum is about to have like a five-year run that not many people are ever going to be able to, to match. Um, so Butler, although I respect the hell out of him and he had a great yeah. playoffs and he just beat us. I agree. Tatum is one on this list. Uh, Butler's two on this list, but it's close. And you know, if Jimmy Butler outplays Jason Tatum again, there's no way that we can say Tatum is better than Butler if he does it again. Yeah, if he does it again, there's this just we we have to throw up the white flag, even if Tatum yeah. goes, you know, first team All NBA, third in MVP voting this next year. But Butler, but this we they match up with the Heat again in the in the playoffs and the Heat win. It's Jimmy. The answer is just Jimmy, and that's we have to leave or, it. At that. Or if this, or if the Celtics make it to the finals and Tatum has a shitty finals again, you know what I mean? Like if, if he doesn't, yeah, I know he stepped up in big moments, but Tatum wasn't good against the Warriors. He wasn't. And, yeah, you know, and Butler has has been really good in in the finals um you know I, you can make a hurt. case that his finals could have been better against the nuggets i think I yeah think that's you know that would be the i don't want to say blemish because it, that was the whole heat team just ran out of gas at that point you know exactly. I, I mentioned this on the duos podcast i think that you know if you look at just their last nine games of the season you know they only won they went two and seven because they after they went up 3-0 on the Celtics, they just really ran out of steam. They found what they needed to get that game seven in Boston. And that obviously Tatum's rolled ankle was kind of the spark plug for that. So it's, yeah, a, it's, it's a really close debate, really close debate. But I think we have our final list. So we've got at number five, DeMar DeRozan. Number four, Mikhail Bridges. Number three, Pascal Siakam. Number two, Jimmy Butler. And number one, our guy, Jason Tatum. So, fans, if you got, you know, at least we can give something to the people right now. We got Jason Tatum number one. We got Jason Tatum number one. Maybe not number one in the duos, but we, we had Jalen Brown him. number two for shooting guards. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So that's going to be our top five small forwards in the Eastern Conference. Of course, we will round this out before the season tips off. We'll make sure we hit the power forwards and centers as well. Hopefully, we'll have Adam available and we can get his thoughts and put together the three man weave. But I, I, Sunday. I, I have a feeling that Adam is avoiding these conversations purposely <laughs> so he doesn't catch the smoke of the public. That's right. He doesn't have, he doesn't have to put his uh, his true opinion out there into the into the ether for everyone to come at him about his actual opinions on these top five. But we'll get him on here for at least one of them. Uh, he was here for the duo, so I'll give I'll give him credit for that. He was here with us for the for the duo, and he he was part of the reason that we did put uh, the Heat above above the Celtics, but. All right, Greg, it's Sunday. Let's uh, let's wrap up this podcast here with what we do each and every Sunday, and that is our vibe check. What do you have for us today as your vibe check? So anytime there's a big UFC event, I always have my vibe check centered around that. So just quick recap, it was in Boston, Massachusetts. So if you were in the building at TD Garden last night, I would love to just hear your thoughts. Uh, just hit us up in the DMs, uh, letting us know what the atmosphere was like. It seemed electric. There were some huge moments. Um, Ian Gary, who's a, a kid from Dublin, he's like 25 years old very much a uh, conor mcgregor in the making right now i don't know if you saw the clip of him will but he went out, i don't i didn't figure out which pub it was but he went out to an irish pub the night before 
the fight and he had a training session in the pub with like a bunch of drunk people around him. So, okay, that's pretty that's pretty funny. I don't I don't watch anything with 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 fighting, but that's pretty fucking funny. That's cool. Yeah, like it, it, I think he's got a little bit of a bad reputation just cuz he's very clearly following the McGregor model, just being an antagonizer, very brash um but he's he's super fucking talented, dude, and he dropped this one guy, Neil Magny, who's like a kind of like a stepping stone fighter but he's he's solid uh, veteran this dude dropped him by kicking him in the leg with like a calf kick like eight times in the fight just straight up chopped him down by kicking him in the leg it was it was really impressive um and then my girl uh Zhang Wei Li who's from China she's the 115 pound champion she's my favorite fighter on planet earth right now uh I think right at the beginning of the pandemic or right before the pandemic, she had this crazy fight with this, um, I think she, uh, Joanna J, I can't pronounce her last name, but she was like the 150 pound champ for a while. And you, you may have seen the picture of her forehead. It's like a meme now where like she, Zhang Weili punched Maybe. her in the same spot in the forehead so many times she ended up looking like an alien. I think I think I did see this. Yeah. 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 So she, she, um, defended her title against this woman from Brazil, uh, Amanda Lemos. And Amanda Lemos was supposed to be like this amazing striker who was going to be able to knock her out. And it was five rounds of, <laughs> of your poor uh, country woman just getting dragged around the ring. It was oh, it was impressive. Man. I think the final strike count was like 281 to like 20. That was like the final Ooh. strike count. It was impressive shit. Um, so shout out How'd to my How'd she hang in there for five rounds getting her ass kicked like that? Dude, it was it was impressive. Like it, I think if the fight had gone like one or two more rounds, there was a five-round fight, which is super long. Um, yeah. Championship fights are five rounds. But it seemed like she, she could have caught her because the 20 punches that she landed, I thought were all very damaging. Um, but she couldn't touch her. And anytime she overextended, Zhang just dragged her to the ground. It was impressive. And then the final fight, um, this was the... The main event, it was Sugar Sean O'Malley. I'm sure you know Sugar Sean. You've probably seen him. Um, he, he, so in like 2015 or 2016, he was on the Contender Series, I think, and Snoop Dogg was commentating. So that's why he got famous because there was like a whole clip of Snoop like loving this goofy looking white kid with curly hair. Um, he, he like does basketball celebrations when he knocks people out he like dribbles okay. he like dribbles around the ring and like does fadeaways and stuff it's actually pretty okay funny. i think i might have seen that he's got pink before. hair uh he like has pink and like rainbow colored adam we miss you man i, I i'm <laughs> I, I i have very little to contribute to this imagine if i was just making these people up but he, <laughs> he ended, i have no idea <laughs> he ended up fighting um at, so he's fighting at 135 pounds. He fought this guy, Aljamain Sterling, who's uh, he's from New Jersey, I think. But he's called the Funk Master. He's known for being um, like a grappler and a submission artist. And Sugar Sean is known for being a knockout artist. So it was like, is Aljamain going to get his hands on Sugar Sean before um, Sugar Sean can knock him out? And he just like one punched him, um, didn't completely knock him out. He hit him. So he hit him. With a, a counter right, so like Aljamain threw a big left, Sugar Sean stepped back and just like cross punched him with a right to the face, knocked him to the ground, and then just hammer fisted him until the ref had to call TKO. Um, but Sugar Sean's like 28 years old. A lot of people thought that he didn't deserve to be there. They thought that the because he's a superstar personality that the UFC was kind of pushing him towards the title fight. So and everyone thought he was going to get worked. He was like a minus 280 favorite. I mean a, a 
he was a plus 250 underdog in the fight. Mm -hmm. Aljamain was a minus 280 favorite. So it was really impressive that he did it. And like the fact that this kid is now a UFC champion is really impressive. But what I wanted to talk about for my vibe check was the way that Aljamain Sterling. You haven't got to it yet? No, Aljamain Sterling, (laughs) the way that he handled the loss. Because there was a lot of animosity going into the fight. The it was, you know, a guy named Sean O'Malley in Boston. In Boston, against yeah. Imagine, a, imagine the crowd was on his side. Against a guy from New York, New Jersey, right? So there were a lot of uh, fuck you, Aljo chants going on. And O'Malley's people, not from Boston, is he? No, I think he's from like Phoenix or something like that. Oh, but he's got a great Boston name. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so he was clearly the crowd favorite. And I, like there were literally like fuck you, Aljo chants happening like right at the beginning of the fight. And... Um, the way that Aljo embraced it, he was like egging the crowd on as he was walking to the ring. And then he he tipped his hat to Sean O'Malley after the fight. And he was like, hey, props to him. This is great. The crowd's booing him as he's talking to the crowd. Right. And he's just like, listen, like if you have a dream, go chase it. Like do something for yourself. Do something for your family through the booze. And he was able to turn the booze into cheers by the end of his speech in the ring. And then the way that he handled himself in the press conference where they asked him about the animosity of the crowd. And he was mm-hmm. like, man, this is what we all grew up loving. Like you, you need someone to root against. You need someone to root for. That's what makes sports special. And I embrace it. And like, yes, there's a line that probably can't be crossed, especially I, David Letterman actually said this on the Smartless podcast with Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and uh, Sean Hayes. It's a good podcast. I really, I've, I've started to listen to that. Unbelievable like podcast. That. If yeah. you haven't listened to the Letterman one, check it out. Have you but, have you watched their HBO show yet that I told you about? I have not. What's Dude, it called? I, now that you like, well, it's, it's called Smartless. It's just on okay. HBO. It, it just it just follows their podcast tour from behind okay. the scenes Sick. as fellow podcasters. I think you'll really enjoy it. Okay, cool. But Letterman, they were talking about like how tough it is to be a stand up comedian today because like you don't know where the lines are and letterman said something i agree with he was like listen if we need to overcorrect right now like let's overcorrect as a society and we can always scale back you know like how much we're overcorrecting on jokes and you know Mm -hmm. um, where the lines of decency are so like i agree with that statement that it's it's probably better to overcorrect right now but there was something great about the crowd just going fuck you aljo and him loving it and embracing it and being like yo this is sports this is what i grew up on i love this shit you know what i mean like people definitely get a little too sensitive to to like oh like what are we what are we doing as a crowd using such profane it has become such a a difficult line as to like well it's difficult and it's not difficult at mm-hmm. the same time right? yeah yeah, as, yeah. To, as to where that line is because like to me like i just grew up where like yeah like like you know like the i think draymond mentioned this and or draymond and clay talked about it a little bit during the warriors finals where like yeah boston super classy fuck you draymond it's like two games ago draymond you got thrown out for flipping off people like yeah. you know what i mean so 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 there, there's got to be a give and take and like to me that's fine you know russell westbrook complaining about people making like calling him west brick like yo that's my name that's my i'm like man that's that that's some like you know my last name is weird you don't think anyone's ever called me weird or weirdo you know what yeah. i'm saying like like listen I, I like that that's really not to me crossing the line then when you get to obviously anything that involves you know threats racial you know throwing stuff at at mm-hmm. players you've crossed the line Families, like, I think that, that's children. exactly yeah that, that's where i think it gets very very clear but it but it is interesting to hear you know you talking about the way that 
this fighter kind of handled it and being like the the quote unquote bad guy in the situation uh, and then was able to to kind of flip it and embrace it because I do think you know the the fuck you fuck you Draymond chance or the Yankee suck chance like yeah they involve a curse but it's also kind of part of what makes sports cool right it, yeah. it just is like that's like that that's that's fun the the sports ones where it crosses the line. G. Sports isn't yeah. rated G, man. Like the very least, it's PG thirteen. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, rated R sports. Like if if we always talk about like if you had HBO behind the scenes, all the players mic'd, that shit would be rated R. You know, like yeah. what the what the players say to each other and all that. Yeah, stuff, KG mic'd up. I mean, we've talked about that for a while. That would be. Good I mean, any Paul Pierce content is rated R. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's just that's just the way it is. So the fact that I just wanted to like give a shout out to Aljamain Sterling because I thought it was one of the coolest things to see the crowd like go from straight up booing him to not like a rousing ovation like Rocky talking to the Russians or, or anything like that, but mm-hmm. they, they were there was like a smattering of applause for the guy after they were literally telling him to go fuck himself you know 20 minutes earlier <laughs> so i i thought it was really cool and i hope that because he he's not it's, what's interesting about aljo is he's a really successful champion but he's not a popular champion so mm-hmm. i actually think him losing and handling the loss that the way that he did might actually gain him some more fans and have people respect him similar to how i was talking about jimmy butler and pascal siakam yeah love that i think that's a i think that's a great one like i said unfortunately i don't watch any ufc mma so i have nothing to necessarily contribute on uh, on that side but you know uh adam we miss you this is where you uh you definitely even more so than the basketball talk this is where you would have been able to uh to contribute and uh, i'll wrap this up make my vibe check super quick here uh heading into my paul pierce year this week and just grateful everybody listening out there it's just really cool grateful to greg grateful to uh adam and everything that we've done here with the podcast you know the older you get just kind of makes you take a second look back reflect on where you're at what you've done and where things are going and as you, as you may be seeing right now if you're watching on youtube or if you're listening on the podcast check out our new logo we've got some changes coming here we've got a little bit of a design rebrand going on and so you know big things we're working on making sure we get everything lined up here and ready to go for training camp and regular season all of that is coming up quickly um so just just grateful for you know for my guys here on the podcast and for those of you listening and tuning in like I can't, there's no words to express how cool it is when we do put something out there and we get either feedback, response, we see that the, you know, our views on certain videos are jumping and we're like, oh shit, people care what we're saying. Like, that's really cool. Like, that's really cool that we have, you know, that type of a, of a following. So uh, for those of you that have helped us to kind of, you know, continue to make progress, just shout out to y'all. I uh, I appreciate it and looking forward to, to more here in the future. But that's all I got today for a vibe check. Keep it short. Keep it sweet. We had our top five here. We got our vibe check. Adam is working on a special interview right now, which go to our YouTube channel. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. That is up. It will be in podcast form later this week. Greg, any final thoughts before we uh, we send the people out of here? Happy birthday, bro. Uh, August 22nd. Make sure you are reaching out to my guy, Will Weir, at WillBond13, sending him all the birthday love. Uh, we'll be celebrating this weekend, right? Yeah, we'll do a little, we'll do a little something, guy, a little, little new patio unveil, basically at the at the crib. So we'll have some people over, have some drinks, have a good time. Looking forward to it. We're gonna play you out with some music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. Uh, go to the the show notes. You can find a link to this song. This is called "Get This High." Peace, everybody. Peace, y'all. Every time I get this high, I lose my mind. It don't take much no more until I hit. The-
You got me on the floor, you know I came to play I know I shouldn't, but you seem to take my pain away And every time I score, Jason Tatum fade away I close my eyes and I'm floating your river I call to see if you open, you know I hope you deliver Every time you're getting close, I still be sick with the shivers But there's nothing like that first time